On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. This is PRCBZ, better known as Brent, and you are listening to the sweet and sultry Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney on the Growing Up Rock podcast. Be smart and turn it up. All right, Hollywood. So we're going to go through the entire weekend of Rockin' Pod 2 and just kind of give an overview and let folks know how how the weekend kind of went for us, right? And then along the way, we're going to share all these millions of interviews that we did, did on Saturday, which essentially had us going from... 11 a.m. in the morning till about 6 p.m. that night with uh, little or no time to do anything in between but shove two potato chips and a half a sandwich down my throat. Yeah, we have another episode worth of content. So I think we're going to go from like Friday to about half day Saturday. And then on the next episode, you'll hear the rest of the time that we were there. So, all right. So, so I'll give you the blow by blow since I was there Friday and you weren't there yet. So we got in, we pulled into Nashville about midday on Friday. And, uh, the first thing I did was, um, hook up with the Potter than hell guys and we ended up having lunch together. So myself, my wife, BB, BC, Dylan on keyboards, Steve Wright, and Potter and Hell. So that was fun. Oh, and I shouldn't forget that uh, Huddy was in tow. So David Hudson from Digital Killed the Radio Star was also in tow as well. Okay. So it was all of us. We all went out. We had lunch. Uh, had a good time just hanging out, chatting. You know, that was my first opportunity to meet BB and Dylan face-to-face uh, because I had not met either one of them. They weren't down last year. It was just Steve and BC last year. Okay, so you stuff your faces. I get it. You guys ate, blah, 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 whatever. I thought there was a show that night. How did that go? <laughs> well, what if there was something in between? There might have been something in between. There was probably oh, a lot sorry. of drinking in between. I didn't know between. you had exciting times in between. Yeah, Didn't exactly. you walk down the street and trip over something? And- <laughs> I wandered over to the Sidelines Bar and Grill and met up with the Canadian geeks and I met one of the two new hosts of Decibel Geek TV. Oh, okay. Peter Kuhn. I don't think I met that guy at all. He's very cool. I'm just going to call him Pete. <laughs> yeah, because we got a lot of Peters now. Yeah. Cesare and Harris, we got too many. But it was fun meeting the Canadian geeks for the first time. Wally and Rich, man. I've been talking to them for over a year now. And uh, so finally getting to meet those guys face to face was good. All right, so you get drunk with the Canadian geeks, and then you go to the show? <laughs> I didn't get drunk. I didn't I didn't drink one drop of alcohol the entire weekend. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was about the only one, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, no, I hung out and got to know those guys a little bit, and then uh, we made our way over to the 
Well, uh, Peter Cicery hit me up, and yeah. Peter from the I Love It Loud cast texted me, and he was in town, and he didn't really have transportation. He was staying with his nephew, and so uh, I had him meet us over at our hotel, and we gave him a ride to the show. So oh, okay. we got to meet Peter and kind of chat and hang out with Peter a little bit, and then we rode over to the um, to the show. Uh, to see um, Keel, Greg Mangus, All Stars, Tortora, Angel. Was Keel plugged in or was he acoustic? Keel was plugged in acoustic. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah uh, same thing he did at the Kiss Expo. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Okay. That was fine. I mean, hey, he sounded great. <laughs> he can still sing. He was bringing it. Uh, crowd seemed to love it. That was fun. He went on, played a half hour, and then Greg Mangus All-Stars came on. And um, Greg's just a great singer. I mean, they did cover tunes. They did Aerosmith and just classic rock stuff. So I'm standing there with the, – so this happened on Saturday. So I'm standing there with Peter Cessary. Yeah. And uh, we're just shooting the shit. And here comes Greg Mangus, right? Yeah. So, you know, shake hands because, you know, we had met last year. And uh, Greg goes – Hey, let me tell you something. See this guy you're standing with? He doesn't know any of the words to all the young dudes. He gets up on stage with me last night, is singing with me in my ear all the wrong words, and I can't keep up. So I guess Peter <laughs> went up on stage to sing with him? So, yeah, I didn't actually see it because I think I was probably out on the uh, balcony at that time. So I actually missed that part because... A lot of the folks that were there at night were on the balcony smoking and drinking. And, you know, you can converse out there because it's quieter out there. And I wanted the opportunity to talk to some people. So I kind of left on a couple of tunes. And that must have been one of them because I didn't see it. But I did see later that uh, Pete posted, thanks for pulling me up on stage to sing all the young dudes. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Mangus gets done and Tor Tor's next? Yep, Tor Tor's next. Love Tor Tor. Sounded great. Put on a great show. Crowd was loving it. There's just nothing that can be said other than Tor Tor delivers a rock solid rock and roll show.
Played a bunch of stuff. Still, of course, like anything else, I always omitted a couple that I would love to hear, but can't play them all. Yeah. So enjoyed that. Went back out on the balcony, talked to people in between set chains and stuff. And then Angel came on. Now, I'm not a huge Angel fan. In fact, for me to be an Angel fan at all, I would have to know something about them. And I'll be honest with you, I just don't. I was looking forward to kind of at least seeing what they were all about. You know what I mean? Right. How about you? You an Angel fan? Do you know much about them? You know, I had uh, White Hot, and I think I have On Earth As It Is In Heaven. Yep. And I think I have an anthology record. I don't know the songs that well, and I remember listening to it at the beginning, and I only was interested because Jafria was in the group, and I was a House of Lords fan. That's the only reason I even gave it a chance. But uh, it just didn't connect with me. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I will say live that it comes across a little bit more rocking than on record, which I kind of was hoping would be the thing. And yeah, that did happen. That's good. We stayed for about half the set because I'll be honest with you, it was getting late. We had been up since 4.30 in the morning Eastern time. And I knew that we had to be up by six o'clock the next morning to be over there by seven. So we left halfway through the set and headed uh, back to the hotel and uh, got a little shut eye before the next morning. So how was setup? Because since I wasn't there. Setup was great. I'll be honest with you, man. Now that we've got all the stuff labeled, it went up super, super fast. Obviously, it was the second time. It was the third time around for us, second time around for Jennifer and we just we got it knocked out pretty quick and they were super helpful there they had all the tables for us all the chairs for us everything was great the only um hiccup that we had was we had to switch out tables because they had these big lips on them that the boom stands wouldn't attach to you know what i mean yeah so we just had to switch those out with like a thin tabletop and it worked perfect well that's cool and what do you think about the space we had? Did we not have like a prime location? So when I got there, I, I took some uh, headaches and some tongue lashing by some folks. It's like, oh, uh, your boy over there got the corner spot and spread out. And I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? I haven't even seen him yet. Spread out because that was our space. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> was supposed to be next to us. <laughs> I can't uh, apologize for that. <laughs> All the rest of my fellow podcasters should not have a healthy dose of, of haterade. It's not healthy. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, I get there. You guys got all set up. I got there because Jen was nice enough to come pick me up. Yeah. I got there right around 1045 as you were going to the green room to do the panel. And, you know, it's first of all, part, partially it's like a family reunion of these folks that you haven't seen for a whole year. Yeah. One of the first guys I meet is a guy named uh, Chris Fretwell. He's yep. a uh, truck driver, right? A fan, listens to a bunch of our podcasts, a bunch of the podcasts that were there, including ours. Real nice guy. And met a, a couple of fans, said a hi to a couple of podcasters, and I was kind of trying to beeline over to the table because I didn't know how you had it set up, and I didn't know when the interview started and that kind of stuff. But just... As I get over to the table and look up, I'm like, wow, this venue is incredible. It, it felt like a David Buster's with the bar in the middle and there's a stage and 
It's got lots of space and height. And I was like, wow, we really grew into a place. Yeah, that was awesome, man. That video walkthrough that Chris did just didn't do it justice. You just couldn't get an idea. And for sure, it was a whole different story live, you know. You know, having the record vendors uh, were there was cool. The only, there was so much going on. I didn't even get to hear any of the panels because <laughs> there was so much going on. I didn't catch any of the panels either because, yeah, it was just nonstop. Yeah. And I'll tell you about this whole like family reunion thing. You know, I'm a believer that us old guys, and, I, and I'm saying myself as old, you know, we have a few close friends. And, you know, really, when you're 48, 49, 50 years old, you're not looking to make new friends. Like, you got the friends you need, right? I mean, how are you going to make new friends now? Maybe you meet a neighbor. Maybe you meet, meet somebody at work. But, you know, they're not going to really be super close, most likely. So at 48 years old, 49 years old for me, to meet people that have the same likes that I do and the immediate connection, man, these guys feel like, old friends and i cannot believe that the personality that i obtained over the years that's just shit because i am a acquired taste can actually make new friends it's unbelievable to me it is funny you mentioned that because one of the podcasters i probably hung around with most was baco from covers and fire because we just it just happened i mean we we rode around a couple times. Uh, he rode with us and, you know, we just hung out because his partner wasn't with him. Luce wasn't with him. So he was kind of on his own and we just sort of bonded. And, you know, he's, 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 he's an interesting person from the, from the standpoint of we're not alike, but we are sort of alike. You know what I mean? Like we have common interest and I think, I think we just get each other, if that makes any sense. No, it makes complete sense. So I, I, I totally he, understand what you're talking he, about. He said to my wife at one point in time, Stephen's an acquired taste, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what made me think about that. And so, yeah, I mean, yes, I, I am. I'm 52 years old. So, yeah, we're probably all acquired taste at this point. Yeah, yeah. You get to our age, that's exactly how it is. But no, it was uh, that first half of the day that we got right into the interviews after the panel. So, you know, because <laughs> you booked a lot of interviews. Dude, you're nuts. You did more interviews than everybody else did. Yeah. So my intention was that I was going to put in requests to interview X amount of people because I, I wanted it to be worthwhile. Like, if I'm going to be there and do this then I want to gather content for the listeners and I want people to feel like they're there and kind of experience everybody that attended. So my intention was to book 15 and get eight. Okay. You know, I figured, okay, 50% will come through. I'll do that 50%. The rest of the time I'll do whatever I do. But what happened, what happened was I booked 15 and I got 13. <laughs> you know, so, and those are rough numbers. They're not exact numbers, but that's just, I'm just kind of making an example. Uh, so the bottom line is, is I worked all day from 11 o'clock when the panel started till six o'clock. And 
just interview after interview after interview. And Sonny was off uh, shaking hands and um, meeting people and recording stuff. And he was doing what he needed to do. And by probably midway through the day, uh, my voice was shot and Sonny took over a couple, which I am super happy about because that allowed me to like time just to step away and do whatever, just take a minute to regroup. But we got a boatload of interviews, so uh, we're going to go ahead and lay some of these interviews out for people right now. And like I said, I've said it before, uh, if you're curious as to who we interviewed, just go to the show notes and it kind of lists in each episode who's all in each episode. But we talked to guys like Craig Gass and Ron Keel and Keith, the guitar player in Tortora and Troy Lachetta from Tesla and Gary Corbett and Kenny Olsen we just we talk to all kinds of people and i am just crazy happy with uh some of the stuff we got yeah so there's some cool interviews some i haven't even heard so uh check these out This is Al Pacino, and you are listening to the sweet and sultry Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pune on the Growing Up Rock Podcast. I just shit my pants. Hoo-ah. Craig Cass, welcome to the show, man. I'm doing good, man. How are you? I am. You didn't even ask me the question. I'm saying I'm doing good. That's all right, man. It's all good. You having a good time, man? You went to the show last night, didn't you? I did. I stopped by the show last night, which was fun. And uh, I was actually bouncing back and forth. The band Collective Soul was performing down the street, about a mile down the street, with um, uh, Three Doors Down and uh, Soul Asylum. And those guys, um, uh, a couple guys in those bands are, are big supporters of mine. And so I went to hang out with them and then uh, came down the road to see Angel. Angel was like three songs into their set by the time I got there. And that was cool, man. That was, that was a trip. And it's my first time here, Rockin' Pod, here at year number two for Rockin' Pod. And ran into some old friends already, and it's a, it's a nice hang. Yeah, man. This venue is very, very, very cool. So uh, we're happy to have you here, man. You're a trip. I'm looking forward to the comedy show, which is uh, tomorrow night. So you'll be uh, performing at that. Yep, doing a comedy show at Zany's which is a legendary comedy club here. I'm doing it with uh, Courtney Cronin, my friend, my partner in crime on the Kiss Cruises every time I get in trouble with Kiss or with the Kiss Army. And uh, here comes Sonny Pune. Um, and uh, I've just... Uh, uh, Zanies has an incredible history. But, uh, but yeah, man, I'm stoked to be here. Are you coming to the show? Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. My wife and I will be there. So let's talk rock and roll because... This is what I want to get into with you. Uh, you're a rock fan. You're a rock and roll music fan. Not only am I a fan, I book all my shows around the United States, around concerts, 
or Mariner games or Seahawk games. And that's a, a big reason why I'm not famous, but it is, uh, I'm having fun. I do exactly the same thing when my wife has business conferences. Uh, first thing I do is jump on Bainstown and find out who's playing in that city yep. at that time. And so I identify exactly like that. I know all about uh, you growing up in a, in a house with a deaf family, and I, I, I've heard that story. But what I haven't really heard from you was what flipped the switch for you with music? And then in particular, how did you get turned on to hard rock and metal? Because you're one of us. Oh, uh, dude, I... Uh I was 13 years old. I was already kind of a fan of music. I remember having a couple of singles for uh, uh, Let's Get Physical by Livin' Newton-John. I had Centerfold by the Jay Giles Band. And I liked music. I had an air band uh, with a couple of friends of mine. I shouldn't say that out loud, but I, I had a full-blown air band with a couple of buddies. And we would we had uh, tennis rackets, and we would play with tennis rackets to the Paradise theater album by Styx. Styx was my first concert and I was just floored. I'd never, I can still remember the adrenaline rush of hearing an arena full of people roar as the lights went down and just going, holy shit. It was was just, I just remember thinking I gotta do something with this. I have to be a part of this. It was the Mr. Roboto tour and um, and the Mr. Roboto tour was a theatrical presentation. They had actors and they, and I bought into everything they were doing. I was like, oh, I didn't realize that concerts are usually not like this. And uh, a funny thing happened 15 years later. I ended up on the Howard Stern show. Actually, no. Jesus, this is over 20 years later. I'm on the Howard Stern show and I go to a Styx concert and um, I get hooked up with passes to meet Styx afterwards. And they're doing a meet and greet. And it's one of those meet and greets that's really organized where everybody's in a single file line and you get to talk to sticks. I found out later, watching behind the music, that apparently everyone in sticks fucking hated that tour, except for Dennis DeYoung, whose idea was to do this theatrical thing. And I'm watching behind the music years later and seeing that they're like, man, we're not Broadway actors. This, this, this was the dumbest thing we ever did. I didn't know that at the time. You enjoyed I, it, right? You I, thought not, it was good? It made me want to be in the entertainment business. I was like, oh, my God, because like, there was like an, a bad guy who said, we're going to shut down rock and roll forever, and then Styx fought the bad guy and said, we're locking the doors, and we're never leaving tonight. We're going to rock and roll all night. And I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. I was totally into it. So fast forward, I'm an adult, and I'm waiting in line. And the person that's in front of me, I stop as they start to go down and talk to the guys in sticks. And I wait until that person gets through every person in sticks because I want their attention. And they're all looking at me like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And I went, excuse me, sticks? (laughs) I said, "Uh, my name's Craig Gass. I'm a stand-up comedian. And I want you to know that on August 27th. Did you already have notoriety at this point? No, the, the tour manager of Sticks knew who I was, but I don't think the band knew who I was. I said, on August 27th, 1983, I saw the Kilroy Was Here tour in Tucson, Arizona. And that night changed my life, and I knew that I wanted to be in the entertainment business. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I wanted to be in the business. And now, all these years later, I'm part of the Howard Stern Show, and I just want to say, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be as happy as I am right now. They fucking stared at me. 
except at the end of the table, Dennis DeYoung leaned in front of the rest of his band and went, thank you. <laughs> I have no doubt that that happened exactly like that, and that's so crazy because, you know, I enjoyed that tour. I saw that tour, and people discount kind of exactly what you were just saying and, and the effect that that had. You know, I like Sticks' rock, rock and shit, but that stuff was cool, too. Yeah, man, it was, uh, I, I loved it. So that was rock. I was really into rock. Yeah. And then right around that time, Metal Health came out by Quiet Riot. And I still remember the, I remember exactly the road I was on listening to the rock station when I heard the beginning of do 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 and that vocal yeah! and I just went what the fuck is that discovered cocaine and I was on <laughs> fuck yeah this is my jam I love coke and I love this music and that took me on <laughs> forever got into Motley Crue then Rat and then figured out Metallica and just everything metal and I was I was hooked although I was such a big music fan that I listened to everything. I listened to, like, every concert that came to town, I went to Journey. I went to Slayer. I went to Dio. I went to Cher. I went to every... I went to Simple Minds, Prince. Yeah, I, I loved music, period. And as a kid, I would um, sneak in backstage after the shows and try to meet people who worked for the bands and just try to understand the business. And there was a guy who was head of security back then. His name was Big Val. Big Val Bacheckis. He ran security for all the concerts in Tucson and Phoenix. And he would catch me backstage multiple times a week going, Dude, what are you doing here, man? Don't get in trouble. What the fuck are you doing? And I go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he'd, and he'd throw me out. And then after a while, he realized I wasn't trying to cause any trouble. I really was trying to meet people and just understand the business. And Big Val actually looked the other way and said, just don't get me in trouble. All right? Don't get me in trouble. And for years, he would let me walk in without a pass. And I never tried to meet the band. I just wanted to meet people who work in the industry and ask them how to get in the industry. Yeah. And he would just say, what kind of trouble are you up to tonight? And I said, man, I'm just, I'm just doing this thing. Years later, Big Val ended up on tour doing head of security for Ozzy, Pantera, Alice in Chains. And 20 years later, I ended up being the opening act for Alice in Chains on tour. And the head of security for the tour was Big Val. And he walked into my dressing room the first night and said, "What kind of trouble you getting into here?" You know, that and is fucking awesome, man. It was surreal, absolutely surreal. So uh, a full circle of life. Was, yeah, no doubt, man. Music really does bring us all closer together, doesn't it? It's so amazing. It really does, man. It's. Uh, I feel like I'm talking too much. I'm sorry. No, I'm, my, my stories are going too no, long. The story here. is fucking great. That's what it's all about. And nope. and you're. You, you kind of embody what this show is about, which is connecting with kind of those memories and thoughts of, of how we got started in becoming like these huge music lovers. Yeah. You know, you and I have very different backgrounds. Uh, you don't and, like Coke? <laughs> no, I don't like Coke. It's pretty awesome. Different, different backgrounds, but also different. You know, we walk completely two different paths, uh, but we can connect with music no matter what plane we're on. And, and so I enjoy that because when I'm sitting here talking to you, it's not really like an interview. It's like, dude, you, you're you into this band. I'm into that band. I remember that. I had an air guitar band too. It was, <laughs> it was Iron Maiden Killers for me. 
I remember being in the air guitar band and metal was really starting to get big amongst everybody in my age group. And my buddy came in and said, hey, man, we're going to play air guitar to this album tonight. It's called Number of the Beast. And I remember him playing the beginning of it. And I was so scared. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this number? The beat? What? Oh my god. Number is 660. Awesome. Like, yeah. It's, uh, and it scared the shit out of me, man. Like, I just thought, we are all going to hell. Um, and then um, cocaine uh, somehow uh, took me a, right to the edge of it. It has a way of derailing things, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure. I can't speak from experience other than the fact that I had a best friend that uh, dated uh, strippers, and he got involved, and he wasn't a drug guy at the at the beginning, and he ended up getting into strippers and ended up becoming a, a drug guy, and then uh, this was a childhood friend of mine, and unfortunately... He grew up to be Minnie Vincent. No. Oh, he, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He ended up stealing my, my identity. Get out of and, here! And 50 grand later. Get out of here! Yeah. He, I mean, it was Vinnie Vincent. It was Vinnie Vincent, <laughs> or at least the stories I understand. Uh, but you know, he made he made everything all right in, in the end, and it's all it's all fine. We're not wow. really friends to this day. Is but he clean now? I don't know. I really don't. I lost I lost contact with him, so I don't know. Well, I hope he is because uh, it's a tough thing. Yeah. To um, I've been clean now for uh, 13 years. Congratulations, uh, man! 13 and a half years, and uh, and I'm, I'm grateful that I am because um, uh, in the first year that I got clean, seven of my friends died, all comedians, uh, four drug overdoses, and three drinking and driving car accidents. So it's a tough, tough road to go down. I, I feel bad for your friend, and I hope I hope he's okay. But that's a really fucked up thing to do to another friend for yeah, sure. No, especially somebody you grew up with. You know, mm-hmm. he was in my air guitar band. Really? Oh, man. He used to jump off the back end of his dad's uh, pickup truck as the stage. Really? Yeah, man. That's hilarious. Hey, listen, do me a favor before you leave here. Let's take a ride together. Are you willing to take a ride with me? Let's do it. All right, we're going to go down the Pacific Coast Highway. All right. Because you live out there in L.A., right? Yes, sir. All right. I'm never home, but that's where I live. We got a convertible, and we got a six-CD changer in the back, and we're headed to L.A. to see a concert. Tell me what six CDs are in that CD changer and what concert are we going to see? Oh, shit. I love music so much. That is so tough to say. Um, I want different moods. I want want Pearl Jam in there. Ten? Um, Which Pearl Pearl Jam? Jam, uh, If I want to get really in a different mood... No code. Okay. Uh, That's a really mellow and unbelievably introspective album. Um, I put in no code. I want to put in Billy Joel. Absolutely. Billy Joel. uh, Last Houses. uh, Well, I I, got to go one of the greatest hits. Maybe uh, one or two. Okay. Yeah, that's Um, got everything. A little bit. uh, Or three. Corn. I'm going to go with... Oh, God. Um... The one with all the weird faces on the front. It's all the, uh, it's like a gang of kids. Uh, that one's not Follow the Leader, right? Uh, it's not Follow the Leader. It's the one after Follow the Leader. Untouchables. Okay. Untouchables. Uh, and that's just a, a specific thing for me, man. I just think there's so many great songs on Untouchables. Beastie Boys. Okay. Which one? Either License to Ill or uh, the one with Intergalactic on it. Is it called Intergalactic? No, it's um, it's the one with the, uh, I think it's got like a sardine can or something. That was one of the later ones. It's uh, uh, Yes, it has the it has a sardine can. Wow, good yeah. memory. Yeah, sardine can. 
uh, Kiss, uh, Greatest Hits, and uh, which, by the way, we just got charged 50 bucks for mentioning that. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is Gene Simmons from Kiss reminding you during this quick commercial break that if you want the Greatest Hits or the Beastie Boys or Billy Joel, they're all available for $29.95 at kissonline.com. Boom. And then... Finally, uh, I'm going to get really weird with you and uh, throw in the soundtrack to Man on the Moon, the Andy Kaufman movie. What's on that soundtrack? Do you know? R.E.M., some, uh, uh, just some really cool uh, orchestration. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm all over the place because yeah, uh, I love music and, and uh, I love all different types of music. My three all-time favorite artists are Billy Joel, Korn, and Beastie Boys. Wow, that's really eclectic. I would have not taken you for that being your top three. Like, I would have thought you were probably more in line with with us. I like all three of those, don't get me wrong. It's all great stuff. Um, But I would have thought you were kind of, because I think we're close in age. I think I got a couple years on you. I'm 48. Okay, yeah, I'm 52, so I got four years on you. And I thought maybe judging from everything I've I've listened to and talked to you in the past, it's it's more along those lines of of a Van Halen, a Motley Crue, and down that. Oh, for sure, Van Halen, absolutely. Like it all, but that's love not, Van Halen, yeah. huge Van Halen fan. Oh, dude, I, I wish we had all day to talk about that, but I, I know we're short on time. So, uh, so what concert are we heading to see with this eclectic uh, six CD changer? Um. Oh, God. What are we going to check out? Oh, right? God. Uh, what would be a great show to see? Um, there's so. I mean, I'm thinking Billy Joel. I'm thinking Pearl Jam. I'm thinking what Metallica. What do you want to see right now? What do we- I mean, I'm constantly going to. All right, you know what? Let's go see the show I've always wanted to see and never got to see. All right. Life, Sex, and Death, which is a crazy band from Chicago. Dude, I know all about them. I'll talk to you after we get off mic because you're going to go, but I'm going to tell you a story about Life, Sex, and Death that I that I had. I went and saw them. Have, you've never seen them, right? I, I do have to say I saw them do like a showcase set at the Concrete Foundations uh, forum thing in Los Angeles. They used to have those heavy metal conventions. Yeah, I, went, I, I, I managed a band that played one of those. Really? Which one? There's a band called Mother's Day Out. They yeah. were a rap metal thing in 1992 or three, somewhere in and around there. Okay. And we played uh, Foundations Forum. No shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, I, um, uh, I saw Life, Sex, and Death do like a five-song set or a six-song set. Their singer was... Was home- he outside, uh, uh, stinking up the place outside, walking around? He was stinking up everything. Uh, he was a homeless... He played a character being a homeless guy, a homeless, mentally ill person, and he did not shower. He he really lived up to the character. He wore, uh, like, leather and twine as shoes. Um, he uh, was very oily, greasy, and... The guy, uh, if you don't know anything about the band, I would just recommend Googling a song called Fucking Shit Ass. It is one of the greatest songs I've ever heard in my life. It, it starts out as a homeless person having a mental breakdown and turns into one of the greatest rock songs you've ever heard in your life. Yeah. And it's, it's um, they, they are one of the most profoundly unique bands I've ever seen. And I'm really bummed that they never made it to that second album. They had an idea for the second album. Alex Kane, the guitarist. I was going to ask you if you know Alex. I know Alex. He he, uh, he lives out in L.A. And I remember walking up to him saying, dude, I just want to tell you that I am such a fan of Life, Sex, and Death. And he goes, dude, I keep hearing that from people. And, and he told me a bunch of stories, including that on the second album, 
And keep in mind, they had a song called Fucking Shit Ass. That's what they wanted to be their first single. And it's like, well, we can't play this anywhere. It's fucking shit ass. And the second album, he wanted to put out a, a song that was just the N word. And it was like, wow. Like they were, yeah. They were so unbelievably. Uh, I mean, you see people, you go, oh, that guy gives no fucks. Life, sex, and death gave no fucks about anything. So. You know Alex was the first guitar player or uh, was going to be the first guitar player in Nuff's Enough, too. Really? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that's Chicago Connection because yeah, Life, yeah. Sex, and Death was the Chicago band. Uh, that's awesome. Hey, Craig, I'm going to let you get out of here. I appreciate your time, buddy. You've been awesome. I can't wait to talk to you a little bit later on because uh, I feel like I can talk music with you all day long. Find me anywhere on social media by going to getgas.com. Getgas with two S's.com. Absolutely. Thanks, Craig Gas. Thank you, buddy. Shit ass. Some fucking 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 shit ass. So I got Dylan Wright. Hi, Dylan. Hi. All right. So, younger guy. Yeah. I got some questions for you. All of us love a band that we just can't believe everybody's not into, that you just totally, absolutely love. Who's that band for you? I have to say Royal Blood. They're a band from England, a two-piece bass and drums. So good. We saw them open for the Foo Fighters. They, they filled the arena. It was just amazing. Really? How many albums they got? They have two. Uh, the latest was uh, How Did We Get So Dark? The first one was self-titled. Really? What do they sound like? They're like uh, like alternative, but like rockin' alternative. Um, they opened for the Foo Fighters, so it's in that vein, but like amazing, amazing band. Yeah. So, okay. So us old guys, and your dad would qualify as an old guy. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's take them back. You're a young kid in the back seat. He's got the windows rolled down, and he's blasting music, embarrassing you. Uh-huh. What's on the stereo? Oh, probably Kiss. Mostly he, for some reason, thinks Nickelback is good at times. <laughs> so that's probably the one that I'm just like really cringing about. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't wow. Get it. What's what's the most embarrassing thing he's done publicly to you? Oh God. <laughs> Just There's like, too many oh my God, name. I got I to gotta get away from here. The one time at my uncle's wedding, he flipped his hat sideways and was going, oh, <laughs> yeah. That was rough. That was rough. That's funny. Yeah. All right. Tornado's about to come hit the house. Okay. You got time to save two albums. 
What albums do you save? Oh, God. Probably uh, Wasting Light by the Foo Fighters and um, Kilroy Was Here by Styx because it's a great... Wow. Okay, so I actually like that album. It's so good. I know your dad doesn't like that we album. We actually just recorded an episode, Worst of the Best, and I picked that one, and it's... I love it. It's so wow. good. That's awesome. <laughs> How about the best concert you've seen? Oh, God. I keep saying Foo Fighters with all my answers, but I really love that concert. Yeah. But in genre with rock, I'm going to say probably probably my third time seeing Alice Cooper when uh, Nita Strauss was first with the band. They did this extended version of Dirty Diamonds. It was so yeah. good. That's awesome. Okay. This is Dylan Wright from the Potter Than Hell podcast. You're listening to the sweet and sultry Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Booney on the Growing Up Rock podcast. Turn it up! You ready to rock and roll here, Gary Corbett? I'm ready to go. Awesome. So this is our first time growing up rock talking to the great Gary Corbett. We've heard the stories. We're excited to talk to you today, my friend. I'm happy to be here. So growing up rock likes to explore kind of those earliest memories of how people got into music. You're a multifaceted musician, but we want to know what flipped the switch for you in terms of music. How did you get turned on to music? Because most musicians, all musicians are music fans first and foremost, and that's what kind of brings us together. So what flipped the switch for you at an early age? Uh, Probably, I have to say the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Like so many others, right? Yeah, if if you're old enough to remember it, it changed your life. That's pretty much it. I've heard it time and time again, and it was a little bit before my Mm -hmm. hand, but I've talked to so many people, and it's, it's amazing when you think about it. If you, you know what would be an interesting documentary if somebody could go back and trace the bands that were born from that moment in time? Every one of them, probably. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. It was, they were so 
they, they changed the world, you know. It, I, I could still remember them landing at JFK and the, the news coverage and the, the, the hoopla around it was just unbelievable. Yeah, were you a big fan of the image or the song? Everything. Because I was already taking piano lessons. I was four, four or five when they came out, and I started taking lessons at four. Were your parents musicians? No. No. So what, what from the switch for you in terms of wanting to like play piano and practice? Well, before I was old enough to go to school, um, my mom would drag me over to my aunt's house with her in the afternoon, you know, for coffee. And they'd need something to occupy me. So they'd sit me at the piano. And I would, for hours, I could sit there and I'd pick out melodies and just play. And, and they said, well, you know, it sounds like he has an ear. He might maybe give him some lessons. Did you pick up fairly quickly? Yeah. You, uh, because I had a friend in school that was kind of one of those um, uh, musicians that just very easily picked up piano, became a really good piano player, and then, a little bastard, <laughs> he picks up a guitar and he starts playing guitar. Can you play guitar? No, I tried. I could play some chords, but yeah. no, I... I don't ever take. I, ne- I never get the calls to go play guitar and keys. You know, right. I'm not like like some guys. I just and I, I I'm very envious of those guys that can pick up an instrument and just you know play it well. You went on to do a ton of stuff, and was there any particular band or, or song that drove you in a direction that ended you up kind of in the hard rock area? No, I mean, I was, you know, I was in New York at, at the time in the 80s. The Shebop, Cindy Lauper thing definitely opened a lot of doors. And everything that happened in my career happened because of whatever came next from that, you know. I mean, I, I could directly trace the Cindy Lauper thing to the work I was doing at Electric Lady when I met Phil Ashley, who turned me on to not only the Kiss gig, but also at the time with uh, the Lou Graham solo thing when he had Midnight Blue was his yeah, single. Good song, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. And I, I was a foreigner fan, man. You, you know, probably five years before I got that gig, I was in a wedding band, cover band, Top 40. And we were, I, I could remember a conversation with my wife. We were driving up to the Catskill, you know, to play at the Concord Hotel for the summer. And it was my summer gig in the lounge. And we were driving up and listening to Foreigner on the, my cassette deck, and she, the conversation she, we were having was, if you could play with anybody in the world, who would it be? And I looked at my wife, and I said, if, if there was ever anybody I would want to play with, it would be this guy. And I was meaning Lou. And so for a couple of years later, to actually get the opportunity, it was that was a mind-blowing thing. The world's full of all kinds of karma, isn't it? Yeah. It was very interesting. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. So I got to ask you, and you can... Don't take this the wrong way. You can answer it anyway. Are you able to basically uh, uh, get a nice living or bring a nice living in from the uh, Shebop residuals? Um, not. I, I mean, it's not enough anymore no. to, to survive. I've made a, a nice chunk of money yeah. from it. It continues to mm-hmm. be like a, uh, we'll call it a supplemental check. Yes, okay. and it's always welcome when it shows up. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I I tell my wife all the time, you know, because Social Security's probably not going to be around. It'd be nice to have like a residual check yeah. coming in every uh, so often. Absolutely. <laughs> you joined Cinderella. You were part of Cinderella for so long. And I read, but I didn't know this, so I'll ask you, you were actually on every one of those? records 
No, I wasn't on any of the records. Okay, so they got that wrong. I read that information. I was like, I, you know, I know he was part of the touring band, but I don't think he was actually on these records. But No, the only thing I did with them in the studio was the um, the song that we did for the Wayne's World soundtrack, Hot and Bothered. Hot and Bothered. Yeah, yeah. that I played on. And there's a, DVD, a live DVD that I'm on from the Heartbreak Station tour. So did you did you go to Moscow as part of the Moscow? No, piece? that was before. I was I was still playing with Kiss when that had happened, when Bon Jovi and Ozzy. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I heard the stories though. Yeah, I was curious about that. I was like, so so I wonder if Gary was part of that, and if so, I want to hear some of the stories from that that plane ride. No, I, plane ride. I have the T-shirt though, but I didn't make the trip. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> so listen, are you willing to take a little trip with me, Gary? Sure. All right. So uh, you're. You're a Nashville guy, right? Right. All right. So let's let's climb in the convertible. Okay. Uh, you still got your long hair, so do you feel the wind blowing? Uh, absolutely. Your hair? Oh yeah. All right. Absolutely. We're gonna take a trip down the back roads of uh, Tennessee. Okay. And we're gonna head for a concert in Memphis, but we got a six CD changer in the back of uh, the car. So which six CDs do we have for this road trip, and what concert are we going to see? Wow. Okay. Let's see. Well. Does it have to be? Uh, are we going to see a band that can actually still physically do shows, or could it be anybody? It can be anybody because it's our fantasy world, and it's your. By the way, it's your convertible, so I'm relying on you to pick some good road trip music for us. So load up that six CD changer and let's go see somebody. Okay, so we're gonna go see Jimi Hendrix. All right, with the experience. With the experience, got to, mm-hmm. gotta have it. First album, you know that '67 around there. Sweet. All right, I'm with you. Um, I'm excited. By the way, by the by, by that uh, yeah, that bill. Yeah, that's a that's going to be a show I'm looking forward to seeing. We're going to have Led Zeppelin two in the uh, CD player. We're going to have uh, Deep Purple. Uh, I probably uh, I want to say Machine Head because there's not a bad song on it. So Mach one. Yeah, but I haven't listened to Stormbringer or Burn in a long time, and Stormbringer so good. It's a great one, and I haven't heard it enough, so maybe we'll put that one in. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll get a little uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. All right, which one? The, uh, the one, the last one with his brother. Okay. I saw Stevie Ray Vaughan about a month before he passed away. I saw him and Jeff Beck. Wow, that, that must have been a great show. That was show. fantastic. I saw him in the Omni in Atlanta, and uh, Terry Bozio was playing drums wow. for, uh, for Beck. Wow. It was fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's a monster. Yeah, well, we could probably have a blow-by-blow blow in, the, in the CD player. Yeah, why not? Back. Um, and so that's four. Let's make a left turn somewhere and go with... Um, we still got two slots empty. Yeah, man. Humble Pie rocking the Fillmore. You're the second Humble Pie guy. And um, far in a four. Oh, God. I love it. I just downloaded the anniversary uh, remix oh. of Foreigner 4. Such a great record. That was one of my, we, we, we call these uh, years in high school our growing up rock years. So yeah. Foreigner 4 was definitely one of my high school records, yeah. man. Yeah. Nightlife. I love yeah. Nightlife. <laughs> yeah. And, I, I, and his voice and, and the songs at that point, Jukebox Hero, God. When you were with Graham, did you guys do, uh, you did some live dates? Did you do foreigner oh, yeah. stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was amazing. That was the thing. And, and it's the only time in my career that it happened on a nightly basis. But every night when we did Jukebox Hero, when we got to the end of the song and he hit that really high note, my the hair on my arms would stand up and... I get goosebumps on my whole body every night. Right on, man. 
Such a good singer, man. Yeah. What are you working on now? What, what's happening for you these days? Well, I'm doing a few things. Um, I'm working with a country southern rock artist from Kentucky uh, that I've been producing as well as playing with him in the studio. And we're finishing up a, a CD's worth of stuff, and we'll see what, what happens with it. been doing another project with a, a singer from the band Steel Drivers which is a country they're like a bluegrassy band it's the band that Chris Stapleton came from oh right on okay. and he replaced Chris Stapleton and now he's doing a solo thing very very similar style of voice such a great singer yeah yeah exactly and so that's really fun um, and been doing some stuff with the Nelson Brothers okay yeah I think I knew that I think uh, I think I knew that I read that somewhere that you were working with Matthew and Gunner so yeah that's cool yeah we do a project called Scrap Metal yeah you do that's where I did I mm-hmm. read that, that yeah. and that's that's kind of like it's a little bit like um, rock and roll residency and yes. the fact that you have all these different guys from different bands and you play the, the songs that they're known for yeah. right more yeah. or less so if so, you're not a road dog anymore, but you used to be at one point in time. Mm-hmm. So if what band, what band, if what would it take for a band to come along and say, "Drop everything, you're coming on the road with us"? What band would that be? If somebody approached you, who would you want that to be? That said, "Drop everything, oh. come back on the road with us for uh, for the next uh, nine to twelve months." And money, just just assume the money thing has worked out. So. Right, right. Well, I, I really enjoyed my time with Cinderella. And if it was the four original guys, that would be probably, yeah. Good. That was, you know, I spent so much time with them, and that was really like a very, like a, we were like a family when yeah. we were together. Do you see Tom anymore? I mean, he's a local guy nowadays too, right? Yeah. And uh, Eric lives up in the same neighborhood as I live in now. Um, I, but actually, the only person I really do keep in touch with on a regular basis is Fred. Oh, really? And yeah. he's the one that isn't living here anymore. Yeah, Fred's still in California, yeah. right? Fred's yeah. doing all the uh, the soundtrack and the hockey yeah. stuff, and he's uh, I think he's doing really well. Yeah, yeah, he's he's sticking with the TV and film stuff, and and I had gotten into doing that as well, um, and so we've done some projects together. Oh, awesome! Doing that kind of stuff. Fantastic. Well, cool. Is there anything else that we want to tell the listeners before we uh, slide out of here? No, I, not, not that I could think of. No. Gary, you've been awesome. I would love to talk to you at a later time with Absolutely. much more in depth. This, mm-hmm. is a, this is a hit it and get it kind of thing. And yeah. uh, I appreciate your time, brother. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks, Absolutely. Man. Thank you. See ya. Standing in the rain with his head hung low. Couldn't get a ticket. It was a sold out show.
Toby, we know a ton about your history. There's no doubt about that. Oh, God. <laughs> but, uh, we want to kind of get an idea of how do you get into engineering, production, etc.? Did you start as a musician? Did you want to be a musician? And was there a talent issue? Like, what exactly was the story there? There was a talent issue. I suck. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're trying to tell a guitar player to do stuff, are you just going, go, ram, ram, ram? Yeah, I'm like on shreds. You know, like they have a Toby Wright shreds, and it, uh, that's me. I started that whole thing. You know, bow, 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 bow. You know, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I guess, you know, going back to way back in the day when I was growing up, uh, my dad was a professional saxophone player in New York City and played in jazz bands and things like that, and then ended up running Juilliard and, oh, and, wow. and uh, in the center and Lincoln Center for the performing arts. And so when I was like 10, I remember, you know, having to go to Juilliard and hang out and wait for him because he was my ride home. And, you know, he'd say, just come on over and, you know, hang out and go play piano with that kid. I'm like, I tried it a couple of times. And, no, I'm not doing that anymore because they were so amazing right. and I couldn't keep up. And I was very embarrassed, like, honestly. So I know how to play. I know where all the notes are. I know, you know, all that kind of stuff, guitar, keyboards. They're you know, my instruments these days. And so, you know, when, I can, when I'm in a studio with a guitar player and, you know, I want him to try something a little different, a, a, a different tuning or a different voicing or, or, you know, something like that of a chord, you know, I can describe it technically um, if, he's that, if he's of that mind. And or I can, you know, just kind of, hey, dude, you know, because what I'll never do is grab a guitar out of a guy's hand and try and show him how to play. That, that will never happen no matter what, because that's just rude, in my opinion. You know, hey, let me show you. No, 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 no. But I will tell you, and you can then interpret it yourself and see how that fits with the music. And that's all I'm looking for is, you know, maybe a, another, you know, a different type of, you know, rhythm track or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. With the business that you're in, tell us the subtle differences between working with the Motley Crew guys at Girls, 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 and they're at the height of their drug use phase. And then umpteen years later, you're working with Brian Wilson. The guy is a, you know, a hero to many and my, possibly one of the best songwriters on the planet. Right. Like, what do you got to do to 
melt in with those guys because I'm sure it takes different skills. Yeah, it's called chameleon. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I guess maybe it's my personality or something because I'm, you know, I, I can be a very alpha type male um, and and take the room, you know, and and lead it to whatever we need to be led to, um, or I can sit back, depending on who's in the room, and you know, and follow along. And I think that it's really, you know, important because of those skills right there that I can do things like that. I can guide Brian Wilson, an amazing legend who wasn't all in his own mind when he was with me, unfortunately. You know, and we all know that history. Right. So, and if you don't, go look it up. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and then there's, the, then there's the Molly Crew guys who are just wild and crazy and they're all, they're all alpha and they're all doing their thing. And, you know, they're just, you know, Tom Mormon and you know they had all he could do to just keep them all in the same room and focused on going straight and you know playing music right because there were so many distractions around at that time in life that you know who knows right yeah yeah makes sense tell me a guitar player that you've worked with that surprised you like one take bam it was done was there one a few I'd have to put Jerry Cantrell up there wow okay Jerry's an amazing guitar player. Uh, Trey Anastasio. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, wow is yeah. what, all I can say about Trey. Well, then there's Les Claypool, too. Right? Oh, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. No, he's not a guitar player, but yeah. you know, he's got strings and, and yeah. that wooden thing in his hand. So, uh. <laughs> How about, how about a, a singer that surprised you? Like you thought the singer was one thing, and then you start working with them, and it's like, oh, my God, this person is totally who I didn't think they were. Wow, uh, that's an interesting question because I most of my I would study these bands, even even the younger bands that you know was their first record. I would just you know kind of study their demos and you know get a sense. Lane was one of them, you know, back in the Alice days, because we, you know, he had developed his style of of his harmony thing, right? And he and Jerry sang so well together that, you know, sometimes even I had trouble telling who was singing which note. Right. Um, you know, and I was, like, raising the wrong one. I'm like, oh, wrong. I want it laying up there. And, oh, shoot. Uh, you know, and it got confusing sometimes. But at the same time, you know, developing his whole sound is what we were after when, you know, we went from uh, Jar of Flies into the dog record. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, if you listen to those two back to back, you can definitely hear a transition you know, or, or a growth in, in his vocal style. There have been, you know, people, Ann Wilson just yeah. blew me away. Yeah. Um, Underrated. Completely. Yeah. You know, she's one of the best singers of our time. Yeah. Uh, period. I mean, I'm just getting chills thinking about her voice, <laughs> you know, like when she did that thing at Kennedy Center. Yeah. Um, that, it just made me cry. You know, she's one of the best ever. Was there ever a artist or album you wanted to work on and it slipped through your fingers it's like man i'm already working on something i wish i could do it but i'm in the middle of this other thing and then later you're like damn i missed out there was a couple yeah which was the one that sold the most oh god i'm sure you remember that one man i missed out on those 10 million albums (laughs) i'm not sure really (laughs) i'm kind of embarrassed to say (laughs) (laughs) that's okay okay. you don't have to you don't have to so you still sourcing work? You're still in the business, still working? Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm living here in Nashville. Um, you know, I have my own band, and, you know, we're we're working on putting out a record. Uh, at the moment, we're looking for, 
you know, distribution and all that kind of good stuff. But I'm also, you know, heavily into production and, you know, heavily into, you know, helping musicians, developing musicians and, you know, things like that. I'm currently uh, mixing a record by a band called The Cadies. Oh, okay. uh, Out of Murfreesboro. New new guys? A new new band. And, you know, I just... I, I love to do stuff like that, you yeah. know, and just help help people along that are willing to be helped. Yeah. You know, and that's the key right there. Yeah, you that's know? amazing. Yeah. Does it surprise you that when Allison Chains needed a new singer, why not Jerry just sing? Like, Jerry's good enough to do it. Why go get another singer? Did it surprise you Jerry doesn't just do it on his own? I, I don't know. I can't answer that question because I'm not Jerry. I was always surprised by how good how good his voice was. Oh. He's underrated. He, he's way underrated. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, he's an amazing singer, yeah. you know, unto his own right. And you're right. Yeah. You know, why isn't he? But... Uh, whatever you know you can't uh, yeah I'm, you know I, I can't answer that question you get him on the podcast yeah, and, I'm try. ask him that question <laughs> how about uh, some young bands out there that you're listening to like you know the hailstorm guys are taking the world by storm is there other new guys you're listening to right now oh god or gals I should say I seem to be more into uh, you know some mellower stuff these okay. days alright you know like ZZ Ward oh okay um, you know and and going toward that and uh but there's a few bands that i'm listening to at the moment and you know they're pretty hot you know just yeah. and I'm, I'm looking for you know just really good talent and you know i i know it when i hear it and it's a matter of you know i i love to i love to cultivate talent so yeah you know i love i love when people get in touch with me and they're like hey can you listen to my stuff and yeah. you know i usually do and i'll give them an honest opinion most of the time of you know uh, of what's going on you know unless it's like really horrible and then i have to and you have to tell somebody their stuff's really horrible, but keep going, please, because, you know, I don't like to squash anybody's creativity ever, you know, because of what happened to me when I was a kid, right? <laughs> All right, so let's go back a little. Sure. I'm Toby Wright, you're in high school, you're driving somewhere, you got the windows down, stereo is blaring. Oh, yeah, it, it was, too. on the radio, what's in the CD changer, like... They didn't have Cassette CDs player. back then. Cassette. Player. <laughs> Cassette. <laughs> uh, probably Leonard Skinner's second helping. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. They still are my favorite band wow. that ever rocked the planet. Um, They're you still kind of out there, right? They are, and I, and I know most of the guys, and oh, I love awesome. them all. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, to Ronnie Van Zandt's credit, there's never been a Leonard Skinner like there was when he was alive. Yeah. And, you know, no disrespect to anybody alive today playing in the band yeah. by far, but it's just, you know, when, when a legacy passes on, you know, then that's where it ends yeah, you know yeah. just like the Alice thing with Lane yeah you know yeah. same thing it was it's a different style of that same band right right, right. and and I can definitely respect the Skinner of today yeah. but you know I, I really love to listen to all that older stuff and you know just it just gets me going yeah now you have a lot of peers that when they're working with a new band or any band at times they'll go into their Rolodex and say you know what this person could help this song go to a next level, right? I'm working with X band, but I've worked with Don Dawkins before, so I need to get Don in here because he could really help. Do you encourage that with the bands that you work with, or it's like, you know what, guys and gals, you're the five. It's all you. You don't need my Rolodex to get you to a new place. 
that's pretty much my my take on it. Um, I like to keep a band a band because so many producers come in and they want to change things. Right. You know, I know one who will remain unnamed that the first thing he does is change a drummer. Oh. You know, wrong. That's the wrong move because you're going to break up that band. Um, you know, eventually anyway. Right. And, you know, that's bad news, right? Yeah. So there's a reason that boy's in the band or that girl. Yeah. And, you know, why would you change them? Why not just work with them? Right. And if they're not good enough, well, that's a different story altogether. But they have brought that band to that level and gotten your recognition and, you know, you to recognize them and see what's up. You know what I mean? So my take on it is I like to work with all the talent that I'm given and make the best record that we can with that band. Now, if the band decides, okay, hey, we're going to do a cover, or we're going to do a this, or we're going to do a that, or I want a guest, or, you know, I want to sing with so-and-so, heck yeah, I'll reach out, you know. I, I had done that with a few artists, and, you know, some of it showed up, and some of it didn't, you know. And it's just a matter of who's available, and if they feel like it, and if the money, and blah, 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 blah. You know, tons of different circumstances. So we'll end with Toby... You are one of the few guys out there that are keeping rock alive. Thank right? you. There's all this stuff about rock is dead. You've got this history that you've been involved with it for a long time now, and you continue to be involved with it. A lot of those were some of my favorite albums, especially the Alice stuff. Thank you. I appreciate everything you're doing. I'm glad you're continuing to do it, and good luck, sir. Thank you very much, and, you know, I think go out and listen to my record. There's I'm a, gonna, a I'm band called to. Bells Into Machines. Bells Into Machines. Into Machines, okay. that's right. And it, it can be found at bellsintomachines.com. Oh, awesome. Um, you know, so there's, what it, kind of music? Well, there's good music and there's bad music. <laughs> that's the only two genres that I subscribe to. So it's good music, A. And B, it, it ranges from, you know, heavy industrial to uh, acoustical, acoustic type right? stuff. Yeah. Um, so there's variation. Yep, we have you know, Paul Barker playing bass from awesome. Ministry. Awesome. Uh, we got Chris Connolly from Ministry. Okay. And we also have a man named Yanni Jarvis, um, the German singer. He's just amazing. So you'll see a couple things out there coming up from us. We're out there searching distro deals and things like that. So. And the album's already out. Uh, no, it's 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 about to come out. Maybe maybe uh, Octoberish. We're okay. we're working it. All right. Thank so, you very much. My pleasure. Thank you guys.
Welcome to the Grown Up Rock Podcast, Kenny Olson. Oh, thank you for having me here. Uh, man, we have done a lot lately, and so I started to dig through some stuff, and I was a big Kid Rock fan in the early days. Yeah. I saw Kid Rock in some of the smaller clubs uh, with the Brown Trucker Band, yeah. so I'm assuming you were there from the get-go yeah. uh, with that stuff. What were some of those gigs like in the smaller clubs versus when, you know, it all kind of hit? What was the what was the difference uh, uh, in that for you? Well, you know, I, I don't I like to some, you know, the, whether it's playing in front of 400,000 people or the Super Bowl or playing to 200 people in a small club. To me, it's all, you know, it's all rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, I, I like I like, you know. The small, intimate kind of vibe shows as well. But, the, you know, for those, it was just fun just because we, uh, you know, just taking that band and as we grew and stuff, it was yeah. uh, it was just a lot of fun. The whole ride all along was, you know. And we and it was, uh, you know, we kind of went back. When we first started going over to Europe, you know, we weren't as big there as we were here. So we got to, to go back to doing a lot of that, too. And then, then we blew up over there. And next thing we know, we were playing the big festivals over there. And, Right. Hundred thousand people. So it was a fun rod. Yeah, it's it's fun to like build something and watch it, watch it, you know, manifest. It's cool. Yeah. So let's let's take a little bit of a trip back because part of growing up rock is we like to find out some of those earliest influences, right? So what was it that flipped the switch for you in music that made you kind of the music fan you are today? Well, I mean, I I always I guess at a pretty young age knew that it was my. Uh, call into this and you know take guitar and make, make, find my voice within guitar you know first i wanted to yeah. start playing guitar because you know i just wanted to feel write songs and sing and all that stuff yeah. and but eventually that became my my main thing you know but i started playing guitar when i was like 10 but i was lucky because i you know my parents were as old as i am i don't want to date myself but my parents were still of that cool generation where they had you know cool records in the house too so i mean i was able to walk around the house at four years old singing foxy lady and all this stuff you know and yeah so your parents were music fans yeah, right yeah and they had they had cool records and growing up in motown you know everything from the whole motown roots to detroit rock city so everything from you know like i said motown to the stooges the mc5 to yeah right on seager all that stuff you know listen bet alice cooper all these detroit you know based people were uh Obviously, a big influence, you know. Then they had the British invasion, where everybody, you know, playing guitar and uh, it kind of goes Ze Zeppelin and Sabbath and Floyd and all that stuff, and you know. So it's I kind of you know, and all the old blues legends too. I was always you yeah. know, a big blues fanatic, you know, like Howlin' Wolf and all that stuff. And do you remember a specific thing that happened in your life that said, "Okay, I'm I'm gonna play guitar now. That's the, I'm I'm gonna pursue this." Was there a specific time or something that happened that uh, kind of pointed, you can point to, that said you're going to be a guitar player? I know you're a Hendrix fan. You're a huge Hendrix fan, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I love, you know, yeah, Hendrix. I was Jimmy, you know, there's so many great guitar players that influenced me, and along with other instruments, too. You know, like singers, you know, I was always, because you know, really the art to playing music and playing, you know, as a guitar player or any instrument, is playing of the song and when you you know approach it more like that you know like it's your own voice you actually don't overplay because there's so much beauty in the space between the notes and we all can you know even myself you know that's why like when i go back and forth whether i'm 
playing on records or doing my own projects or producing, I kind of like balance myself out with that. Because when I'm producing, I'm telling people I need to tell my I tell myself the same thing at the same time. Yeah. So if I'm not, you know, I'm not doing my job unless I'm learning at the same time. When right. I'm talking, so. But uh, I listened to um, some recent stuff that you that you put out and. Uh, I for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it, but it, it said it was just recently released. And uh, our buddy Greg Mangus uh, yeah. did some background vocals on it, which I thought was kind of cool stuff because it's different. Different, right? Yeah, that, that was something we did for. Uh, that was a Warner Chapel thing for a soundtrack. So yeah, they, they, I thought they, it was cool. Yeah, with yeah. the, with the uh, Adasa rapping on it. Yeah, and stuff too. Uh, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah so. she's cool. She's. She works with like Snoop Dogg and football those people. She's from like Miami area. Right on. And to combine her and Greg on that song was uh Yeah, was, such, uh, such a diversity, cool. right? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So what do you got going on now? What's happening? Speak with of the you? devil, look at Oh yeah, there he is. <laughs> Mangus. Mangus in the house. Kenny Olsen is a badass. <laughs> now I gotta pay him. Yeah, five bucks. We'll dish it over. He needs yeah. the money, he's got a new kid. Yep. <laughs> Uh, what are you What are you working on now? What's happening for you right now? Well, we've just um, this uh, past February we did a new seven day binge album, which is a band I you know had like eight years ago, and then we uh, kind of disbanded for a while and made a great record. So that's uh, we're still trying to figure out when that's coming out. I've got um, a project I'm doing. Me and Steve Perkins from Jane's Addiction and uh, Norwood from Fishbone. And, Scott Page from Pink Floyd. We have a new thing we're doing as well. So I've been commuting between here and going out to L.A. to do that a lot. And um, I'm also doing a new solo record, and I'm also working on this documentary. We're going to take a lot of those old-school legends, and we're I got some really, really badass you know, people. And it's something I've always been into doing. Even when I was a Kid Rock, I, you know, like the Hendrix Tours or Les Paul, like all these different people. We did a lot of these all-star things, and um there were so many people that I had part of this that have already passed, you know, because it's like it's just, you know, it's so unfortunate, but unfortunate, but it's uh, you can't stop time. Yeah, and so there's you know some people that I really just want to you know do it while we can, you know. Yeah. I, I had probably at least 18 people that I was going to have work on this project with me. Yeah. They're all gone already. Wow. I respect like, that. It's trying to capture time, and time keeps moving, yeah. right? So I'm kind of, you know, doing that within my own record, but I'm bringing all these different collaboration people in doing it. But I'll be able to tour around it, stripped down version, and there's going to be the that's cool. That the sounds awesome. Version where people, you know, if the promoters want to pay the big bucks, I'll bring in the extra special guests. Right on. <laughs> so you, let me ask you this: Are you willing to take a ride with me, Kenny Olson? What's that? Yeah, where, are we, where are we going? Okay, so we got Let's a kick, <laughs> we got a kick-ass convertible, Kenny, right, and, right. And, and in the back of the convertible, there's a six CD changer. No way! Yeah, right. man, we're headed down the roads. We're gonna go some of these Tennessee back roads. You with yep. me? Yep. All right, we're headed to a concert. We can see anybody living or dead. What six CDs are on the road trip, and who are we headed to see? Let's see. Whether dead or alive. Dead or alive, baby. Dang. To put together quite a band. Yeah, man. What six CDs are we gonna are we gonna road trip to to get us there? Oh, okay. So we're talking about what CDs? Yeah, but then we're on our way to see a concert, so we're going to see somebody too. We're gonna need different stuff, and then when we get there, we're gonna need something really motivating. Right on. And like a lot of times before, we used to go on stage. Kid Rock, one of the song albums I would put on would be uh, 
sabotage. You know, <laughs> uh, which which one? So Black thinking, Sabbath or yeah? Okay, so I was thinking. Uh, Let's put that one on there. Okay. That's going to be the one right before we get out of the car and go into the concert. Okay. So we got our, we'll probably shuffle them, but okay. That'll put our game face on. All right. You know, like right hole, on. Hole in the sky or, or Symptoms of the Universe. Something that's going to Oh, it's good shit. Like, I love Symptoms of the yeah. Universe. That's actually a good one to listen to when we're driving there because that big break there, you know, we might, you know. Yeah, with the convertible. We, we and the might wind be blowing. taking that, you know, there might be a safety <laughs> meeting involved. No, I was kidding. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, I don't know. We'd have to have uh, something from Floyd in there, too. Maybe a Hendrix. We might need some, uh, going to a concert, we're going to need some ACDC in there, too. Which one you want to spin? Which one Which one we want to throw in there? Do we want to throw in Bon Scott or? Uh, or yeah. Yeah, we're gonna, gonna go way, we're gonna go way back. Okay, I think it should be Powerage. That would be that's a good call. All right, so I'm gonna make the call on that. We're gonna put Powerage in there. Yeah. Let's go with Hendrix's greatest hits because that covers everything, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and then Floyd, you'll have to pick that because I'm not a huge Pink Floyd fan. So if you want Floyd, you pick the record. I mean, that'd be that'd be good, but maybe the Floyd would be after the concert. Okay, but we need to put it in the changer, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's let's throw in. Uh, All right. Yeah, after the show, we'll put on Animals on the way back. Okay. You talking about Eric Burden, the Animals? No, no, the oh. Animals, Pink Floyd. Oh, Animals, Pink Floyd. Okay, the record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. or Dark Southern. I don't know. All right. So we'll put, uh, yeah, Let's see, what else do we need in there? We got ACDC and we got AC. Sabbath, so we got some good energy going there. We got some Hendrix. Uh, I don't know. What else should we put in there? There's so, uh, many, there's so much Hendrix to fix, from. Sabbath. We got ACDC. That's great right there. Let's put, on some, let's put some Stooges in there, too. Put right. some more energy in there. A little Iggy Pop Power. And Stooges. Yeah, we'll put yeah. some Raw Power in there. Fair enough. What concert are we headed to see? Who um, are we going to go see? Well, sure, we got everybody up on stage. I mean, you got to pick like, a band, man. <laughs> it's got to be just a band. Or an artist. Well... Can we, can we have like this all-star band with like Hendrix and Miles Davis and, <laughs> and John Lennon, John, John Bonham on drums? Oh, and man, I guess it's a fantasy <laughs> world. Why not? So we got Bonham on drums. We got Hendrix on guitar. Who else have we got in this band? Uh, let's see. You don't get like two drummers. Steve Marriott. Okay, Marriott's playing. Let's have Steve Marriott singing. Going to sing. Okay. He'll play guitar too. He's a great guitar player too. Yeah. So. So we got Hendrix playing lead and Marriott playing a little rhythm and singing. Yep. All right, so now we need a bass player. Well. No, you can't put yourself on bass. No, let's see. I've been very blessed. I've got to work with all the great bass players out there. A lot of them are still alive, too. So we could... Uh... That, that's a low-impact low job, <laughs> <laughs> bass playing. Yeah, I've got, I mean, I've been pretty blessed. I got to work a lot you know, with Billy Cox through the years and... And Bootsy Collins and oh, God Bootsy, that's Billy a Billy Bass Nelson, Tommy Shannon. I mean, I should have been a band with Norwood Fisher. It's uh, doesn't get much better than him on bass. Yeah, <laughs> so. I'm sure there's any number of guys. Yeah, this is a tough question. This would be one of those ones where I'd probably like. They could be living though. Yeah, they don't have to be dead. Yeah, I think I think we should go with uh, maybe Phil Lynott. And there, if we're doing all people that passed away, yeah, you know, but Phil would probably want to sing some. Oh, yeah, him and Steve together. Yeah, that'd be interesting, right? That'd be badass. 
right. I would That's take 30 days in the hole and jailbreak and one combination. Nice. Medley. I like it. Yeah, I man. The jailbreak and a 30 days in the hole medley. <laughs> that might be cool. That would be. All right. Uh, we'll put that on the you know request list. Yeah, man. We'll put that in a tip in the tip jar for them to play that. <laughs> I'm down with it. I'm okay, down with you it. Do it. Just do it. Do it. <laughs> awesome. Kenny, do you have anything else you want to tell the listeners before we let you go? Rock stars and strippers are people, too. Yeah. <laughs> Where can they find out information about you? KennyOlson.com? Yeah, yeah, and then uh, Facebook, that whole social media world. I, I've, I've fortunately, I'm very fortunate to have some people that help me run that because I would be yeah. lost. I, I You're def- not both. definitely old school. I mean, I didn't even really come into that era until I even got like an iPhone. You and I you know? both. <laughs> like the, the iPhone like just yeah. kind of changed. I'm like, wow, Kenny, you actually emailed somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny, I appreciate you, buddy. Hey, pleasure Thanks, to mine. Thanks, buddy. Yep. See ya. Podcast Rock Cities. Brent with me. Hello, Brent. How are you? Oh, I'm having a great time here at, uh, you know, it's funny to get everybody together and all of a sudden it's it's like every podcaster wants to interview every other podcaster. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great sharing environment. So it's pretty cool. It's cool. I got a couple of questions for you. So everybody's got that band that they listen to that it drives them absolutely nuts that nobody else listen to them or they're not huge what band is that for you for me it's Y&T who's it for you 
Sepultura? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. An, an English goth band called Fields of the Nephilim. Okay. What the hell is, the hell is that? It's, uh, so they're this atmospheric, uh, very intense, sort of almost like a Cthulhu horror movie kind of inspired band. Um, uh, very visual. And uh, after they split up, one of the guys did do uh, a super heavy album on Metal Blade under the name Nephilim. Uh, that album's called Zune. And um, so I think people like heavier stuff would like that. But I just, I never understood why they didn't connect with anybody because I, I, I've, they're, they're one of my favorite bands that no one's ever heard of. How many albums do they have? I'm going to say the original lineup had three studio albums and a live album. And uh, then they've had a couple of incarnations since then that have two or three more records. Okay, so you're a saint, I know that. But let's say your wife is throwing all your shit outside the bedroom window for some reason because you pissed her off. What two albums do you dive to save? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd ever be in that situation. I'm also lucky enough that uh, she would be afraid. She wouldn't throw out a lot of my favorite records because they're also her favorite records. <laughs> but uh, what two records do you have to win in the divorce then? Let's see. Um, that's a real tough question. Um, right now, I would say uh, all three Sisters of Mercy albums. Okay. Been listening to that a lot lately, and then um, the the first D Warzo album, Disco Rugido. That's that's something else that uh, I've never heard of any of this, but that's good. That's, a, that's, that's good. Okay. okay. I'll educate your hair metal. Uh, <laughs> You know, existence at some point. These are all alternative records. Uh, Sister Mercy, obviously, an 80s yeah. English goth band that had a couple of incarnations. And then um, uh, D. Warzaw's uh, industrial band from Chicago um, that has a lot of... The first album's a lot of uh, percussive metal-type stuff, but then they eventually got really kind of funky and groovy uh, after a while. But... Yeah, so so uh, not the usual stuff that uh, you hear on Growing Up Rock, but, uh, you know, that's all right. All right, so a young Brent, let's say high school Brent, is driving down the street, windows rolled down, music is basically blaring out of the car. What's on the radio? Uh, on, uh, I'm listening to The Cult. The Cult? The cult. Sonic Temple? No, uh, I'm, I'm a lot... I'm a lot older than that. Uh, Sonic Temple came out when I was uh, out of college, uh, so it would have it would have been the, uh, just prior to that. I think when I was a senior, Love came out, so yeah. that was uh, you know that was a, a favorite of mine. But you know, Go West album prior to that was also one that I love too. So that's cool. The only Go West I know is uh, King of Wishful Thinking. Okay, no, that's a different one. But all right.
Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shot? Would they shot? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.